Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and a very warm welcome to you wherever you may be. Welcome to Le Bourget, the official League 1 podcast coming up in the show. Marseille are winning again. We ask, is AVB restoring pride in the South Coast? Memphis Depay's brilliance gets Leon roaring and PSG slip up away to bottom side Dijon. There were some uh, interesting games, some interesting results at the weekend. We'll... Uh, have a look through all of them with you. I've got uh, David Crossan joining us uh, on the panel. How are you, Dave? Yeah, my back hurts. I feel older than Hilton. I've got a bit of a cold and I watched Santetia Monaco, so I'll let you take your own conclusions. Are you older than Hilton? No, no. Not quite. Must no, be no, close. A year younger. Exactly a year younger. No, I'm the only. No, Robbie and I are older than Hilton. Yes. And, and that is it. As long as he's playing in Ligue 1. Then I'm happy. Then, then we're all happy. Uh, Robbie Thompson, you're you're looking all smiles. You you've been off the pod for a, for a exactly, couple of weeks. Exactly, refreshed. Had a, it's, it's nice to have a little break, and it's nice to be back. That's not what you said half an hour ago when you were no, taking when I was your getting kids, the to, kids school off to school and yeah, getting back here. But, but, co- it, but it's it, you're all here now, and we're recording, so it's great. The coffee's good, and I know you're you're looking forward to getting stuck into some Marseille chat. Um, Armel, how how are you? You had the pleasure of commentating Marseille against uh, Lille at the weekend. Yep, I'm all right, feeling okay, as I think most people in Marseille are this week after that victory, so good to be here. Well, it was uh, a difficult week for them. They had to recover from the 4-0 thrashing in the Classic against PSG. They then went out of the Coupe de la Ligue against Monaco. So, the stakes were high when Marseille entertained Lille at the Orange Velodrome, commentated by Armel Tanguy. Payet's delivery, drops by Meniot, Camera keeps it alive, and Sosal... With the opener, Camera looks to his left towards Payet. Lopez beyond him. Benedetto's in the middle, but it's been well closed down. Rangier stopped by Benedetto. Payet and into the back of the net off Gabriel. Another very strange goal conceded by Lille. Yuzic's corner. It's a very good header from Sumaro. And we're not done quite yet here. Marseille have held on for the victory. So Armel, a big win for Olympique de Marseille. I mentioned those two poor results going into the game. Um, Morgan Sanson on target, a bit of a bizarre uh, second goal. It went down as uh, an own goal from Gabriel, the Lille defender, after a a series of, of ricochets. But a really important result. Marseille are up to fourth, they're third equal. They're just one point off second now. And despite the fact that it's been a difficult first few months for Vias Boas. Uh, there's been criticism. Um, his side are still, I would say, not creating a lot of chances. Looking at the stats, I think they only had one shot on target in that game and managed to score two goals. But looking at the league table, they're in reasonable health. They are in reasonable health. And um, they seem to also be at one with the Velodrome crowd at the moment. And I think that's a, a big positive for them. The uh, velodrome crowd that needs to have a target for its frustrations is currently aiming it at the uh, the board, the Jacques Arrieros of this world. But they seem to really like the team they've got this season. The likes of uh, Alvaro Gonzalez, who came back into the defence last weekend and looked very, very good again. And uh, Benedetto, even though 
he hasn't scored for a while now. But um, that it, was that was just touching on uh, Gon- Alvaro Gonzalez. He looked superb in the first month of the season. Got that injury. He came mm. back, and a really interesting call from from Vias Boas. He put uh, yeah. Alvaro Gonzalez alongside Chileta Sara at centre back, and he pushed Bubakar Camera into the defensive midfield role. Dropped Kevin Strutman, who uh, has been coming in for a bit of criticism. I, I think Strootman's an, an interesting one because he struggled to live up to his billing last season and he's probably not a number six, is he? He's more of a, a number eight, a, a runner, a box-to-box mm. midfielder and mm. he was struggling in that defensive midfield role. Camera really impressed, didn't he? Camera was very, very good. I, I do think Strootman was just rested, though, because he'd played against PSG and against Monaco. But then again, the results weren't what, what the team wanted in those two games, so... A change is always good after that. And Camera was very good in that uh, role screening just in front of the defence. I think he was helped and made to look better by the fact that Valentin Rangier had by far his best game in a Marseille shirt since signing from uh, from Nantes. It was a, a strange, strange afternoon of football, really. The most exciting thing that happened before about half past six French time was the ball being parachuted in and through the velodrome roof. The first half was dreadful. When did, when, when did the ball get parachuted in? It was like a half-time, was it? No, no, the kick-off. Oh, the, okay, sorry, Nothing sorry. happened until <laughs> kick-off in the second half, really. I mean, Lille didn't have a shot on target until the 49th, which says something for Marseille's yeah. defence. But it, it was a strange game, but all in all, um, I think Marseille will be, will be very happy and it gives them a, a great boost of confidence because, of course... They're hosting Leon this weekend. Yeah, massive, massive game coming up. We'll talk about that. Um, Rudy Garcia returning to the velodrome next next Sunday. But Robbie, if you look at Marseille at the moment, if you look at Ligue 1 at the moment, it is so, so close. Obviously, PSG are, are seven points clear. And then you've got just nine points between second-placed Angers and bottom-side Nîmes. So if you get a few wins together, I mean, maybe that is going to work in Villas-Boas' favour. He said at the start of the season, I'm aiming for top three. And people thought, well, that's... You know, you're, you're going to have your work cut out. But the fact is, and let's not, you know, paint this any differently. The fact is there aren't really any other right or clear rivals who can compete with PSG. No, there aren't. PSG are, are cut above. That's We know that going into every season, that it's up to these other sides to be consistent. And that's what's lacking. We said that last year about the Leons and the Monacos, that their, their consistency... They may lose two matches in the year to PSG, but they should be able to match PSG's results throughout the rest of the season. When you look at the table, there are teams like Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux who have had terrible starts to, to the season, who are now up in that, in that leading peloton. Nantes have lost their last three in a row, and they're still sitting third, yeah. one point behind second. I mean, it's competitive. Is it competitive they're, in terms of quality? That's the, that's the big question. I think it's great that there are so many sides that can win and lose, can beat everyone. You've got 19 teams, basically. And Nim, for these sides, we don't seem to have that team that last year lost so many matches, had, had no points at the halfway point of the season. Everyone can survive the drop, and it's going to be competitive, apart from that first position, unfortunately, for the league, which is Paris Saint-Germain's. Sounds like you want to make some predictions here, Robbie. They were oh. great last year. <laughs> I've learnt my lessons. <laughs> yeah, contestability and unpredictability are the essence of sport, and um, that's why we'll come on to it later. That's why it's good from a neutral perspective to mm. see that Paris Saint-Germain can lose three of their first 12 games. But the fact remains that Marseille are an incredibly ordinary side. They scored two goals from one shot on target. They really lack inspiration. And with Tovan having had his ankle operated on in September, they're not going to have 
what I'd consider an inspirational attacker back for a long time. We don't know when he'll return. That uh, Payet is slowly building into his season, but there's still debate about whether he can, whether he's got the legs to operate out wide anymore. Uh, I don't think he has. And no, they're, they're just but, a plain, but, but, but plain do you not team. think, Dave, that the the Marseille fans understand that and accept that now, yeah, and absolutely. expectations for once are far lower and are far more realistic. So Vias Boas, in some ways, is coming in with. Uh, something of an advantage that his predecessors didn't have. His predecessors were supposed to compete with, with PSG, which was never going to happen. Um, but it's a bit sad if all that you get from a Marseille team in front of a passionate home crowd is that, as Jordan and Marvi said, they, they showed their qui. Uh, they, they he played didn't with say they balls. showed them. He said they played with them. That'd <laughs> yeah. be a little different if they just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would have been on a bit later than six thirty in the evening, anyway. <laughs> and Jordan and Marvi, uh, you you were saying, Armel, that the uh, home fans they need to have their uh, their boo boy, and it, it was before it was Jordan and Marvi, but he had quite a strong game, and he seems to have got the fans or kept them a little yeah. bit a little bit quieter for the mm, moment. Maybe he hasn't quite got them on his side yet, but um, Phyllis Boas um, mentioned him in his post game press conference, picking him out for praise, saying it's not easy when you've got. You know, 52,000 people on your back every week, which Jordan Amavi has. And honestly, rightly so. He's been pretty shocking since he's, since he's signed from Villa at Marseille. Yeah. And uh, Marseille have never brought in any, anyone to challenge him for that left-back spot. No, was, I think, was, do we really think Marseille fans are going to accept the fact that they're not competitive and that anything's a bonus and that it's a transition season? I don't, I don't buy that. I think they'll accept... A fairly turgid football if if it gets them in the top three. I, I I think they understand they're going from a very low point at at the moment. I think the the pressure on the on the owners is going to remain. Yeah. Um, no, I think Villas Boas you know, was very the, clever in the end of the transfer window to make it very clear to the fans that the money wasn't there for new signings. Mm. So this is what we've got. I'll try and do my best with it, and I'll be honest with you. But last last weekend, this result against Lille was also part one of very important two weekends for yeah. for Andre Villas-Boas who totally played down the 4-0 loss in in Paris he saying, played you know, it down before the match even started also he's saying well. Marseille can't compete with PSG Marseille compete with Lille and well, Lyon the whole thing about so, don't get bookings don't get yourself suspended because we're effectively writing this game off that shouldn't happen no, I just think exactly. to, after the uh, the season they've had the toxic atmosphere that, that reigned in the Velodrome I think it's good for Marseille to have a low key period and you know, if that means grinding out results, then that's fine. The only thing I would say that I find a little bit disappointing is that over the summer there was a lot of talk about how it was, you know, the project youth now, and we're gonna we're gonna give these kids a chance. Mm. And you look at the Marseille side, and it's still the same the same old players, the Jordan Amavis, the Bunasars, and the guys who you know are not really up to it. You've got the two counter examples of Maxim Lopez and Bubica Camera, and I thought it was really interesting to see him in midfield because he's not necessarily been been looking the part of centre back and I do think he's a very talented player. Camera, but 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 where are the other guys? We're seeing at Saint Etienne three kids coming in from the youth team looking outstanding. There's perhaps Marseille still don't have that. There's perhaps one who's gonna come out towards the second half of the season, Isaac Lehadji, who's currently at the under seventeen World Cup with France and he had a very yeah. good game uh, for France in that tournament last week. I think he scored scored one set up another. And he's been talked about at Marseille as sort of the next big thing to come out of their academy with apparently some of Europeans, a big Ikuri, big it's, clubs it's, it's, watching It's encouraging, him. but, you know, a, a, 
a team of Marseille's stature. You look at all the kids that have come through at PSG. I know they've mm. sold a lot of them on, but where, you know where is this quality at Marseille? Yeah, it's true. There should there be are more. three at the under seventeen World Cup from from, from PSG. Mar- in the oh, PSG squad. Yeah, well, you're going to add some information about Marseille there. Could, I use any chat about Marseille as the opportunity to talk about PSG. Well, I was going to say, Robbie, you may have given us a, a nice transition. So oh, I move, still have two more points about Marseille. move on to PSG. Come on there, come on there, Robbie. Let, well, let's go with I, it. I, I think uh, it's, it's a real lesson for Marseille and for Lyon, the way they played against Paris Saint-Germain. And I don't, I'm not sure if it was Paris Saint-Germain that played that much better against Marseille and Lyon. But those two performances were so poor. And when you see a side like Dijon, who are bottom of the table, who give it everything and get the result against PSG, surely as a Marseille fan or a Lyon fan, you think, well, we should have given this a, a better shake, no? Yes, but no. And yes, before but the no, game, what, you're saying... I, yeah, no, I agree with you, but I think it's totally different because the, the, the PSG players were totally keyed up, were totally focused for Marseille. You see... You see you know, Marseille that, that, should that, have been Dijon the same game, as well. We had, I know they, 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 they were showing that on French television last night, Kim Pembe and a couple of other players who were juggling the ball in, in the tunnel before. Everybody sitting in the warm-up, laughing on the bench. You know, they were on holiday. You know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk I, about I, Dijon. I think, yeah, I think we should mention Lille before we move on as well, because mm. apart from Strasbourg, they've got the worst away form. And you can see that Christophe Galtier is getting increasingly furious about this. Um We've been through some of the key players from last season who are just not performing this year. The likes of Bomber and Ikone who are finding themselves out of the team or substitutes. Um, they've got to address that away form. Uh, Loic Remy had a, a shocker on his return to the Velodrome and they only looked a bit sharper when from set pieces. It was a great header from Sumaro. And when Aussie men came on off the bench, even though he's still yet to score away from home. You've got to be careful when Christophe Galtier gets upset at the Velodrome because in a, in a different life, I think he, didn't he chin Marcelo Gallardo um, during, no, when his, he was during, coach, during his playing day? I thought it was, I thought it was, it was when he was assistant to Bernard Casoni, but I'd have uh, to check that. Uh, that's possible, that's possible. Wow. They, were, they were the days. <laughs> the, these uh, young players, when they get called up to France, like uh, Jonathan Iconi, we saw it with Usem Awa last season and Dombelli as well. They both had... Holes afterwards, where that's a nice Frenchism for you as well. Mm. They, they they stumbled, they failed to to live up to that expectation at, at, with their clubs after they're called up to France because it's a big deal. It's a big deal for a twenty year old, a twenty one year old to suddenly play for France, who are world champions, and to maintain this level. You know, it 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 works in their head more than anything, and I think that's why Iconi, for example. So I- has 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 is struggling at the moment. Has Awa played for France? No, he no. was called. He, up, he would have he? been in the squad in September, yeah. but he got injured, and they called oh. up Genduzi. Okay. Now moving on to what was unquestionably the uh, the shock of the weekend. It was at the Stade Gaston Gerard in uh, in Dijon, where the uh, team currently twentieth in the standings took on the league champions, the league leaders, Paris Saint Germain, and Robbie Thompson saw the action. Di Maria. Danger here, the pass for Mbappe! And that's how you finish, and that's the difference. And Dijon have a mountain to climb already. And Dong, it's a great ball in, the chance, and it's in this time! Munir Shuya! And it's no less than Dijon deserved. With Cadiz, the Venezuelan. Has got the better of Marquinhos, still going, Jean Cadiz into the area, still going! And he's given Dijon the lead! Jean Cadiz, his first start in Ligue 1. 
and he's dribbled his way not once but twice through the Paris Saint-Germain defence before beating Kaylor Navas from a near impossible angle. It's all over. It's an historic victory for Dijon. Uh, Robbie, no. Dijon certainly did cut the mustard. PSG got off to a snail's pace in Burgundy. Any more puns? No, Not I think really. that's just about so got it covered. Probably it. But no, Dijon, what a result. PSG actually... Uh, Actually did start okay, Mbappe gave him the lead, but then Dijon what? just before half-time, just mm-hmm. after half-time, got the goals, an incredible upset. Well, how the, let's talk about the game first. Dijon started very well. They had a couple of shots from distance, and, and the goal for Paris Saint-Germain was sort of that goal where you think, okay, well, Dijon gave it everything, one chance for Paris, Mbappe scores, game over. And to their credit, Dijon came back. They didn't really have that many clear chances in the rest of the game. A little mistake, perhaps, from Navas, who who didn't handle uh, Ndong's cross well, Big mistake, that fell yeah. for the opening goal. Big mistake, and then the uh, the second one, I saw Navas criticised again. That's not really his fault. It's uh, the Cadiz, the Venezuelan striker, who making his first start for Dijon, dribbled past Marquinhos and Paredes, and then almost twice, and fired home how from can, a, a tight angle. How can it not be the goalkeeper's fault? Where you know he's he's got. No angle at Tied all. Tied angle and through he's his hit legs. He's a left-footed shot. Low. The goalkeeper has because got, he's got. Paris Saint-Germain's goalkeeper. No, no, no. I'm sorry, no. Navas. Uh, Robbie, we'll, great we'll, we'll, There's a lot to talk about in this game, but Kayla Navas has done really well. But he had a shocker against Dijon for, for yeah, both. Well, for both certainly goals. He, he would feel he should have done better with uh, both those ones. Fantastic, fantastic performance from Dijon, and uh, like we see, rewarded. Like I was just saying, rewarded for having a go. And deciding yeah, and before, not to. Uh, it's, it's better that Navas can, gets his mistake out against Dijon than doing it against Manchester okay, United in the round of 16, though. Imagine isn't it? if that was Ariola. Would we be going, oh, he'd be a bit disappointed with it? No, we'd be going, this is or not Trap, this or is not on. Yeah. Well, I would be, but uh, everyone else would be saying this is a, a complete disaster. Yeah, fair call, fair call. Ariola was always on the receiving end. Stefan Jobar, Stefan Jobar, the Dijon coach, he's got a massive task this season because his squad is, uh, is limited. But to be fair, it wasn't just a smash and grab. He played an attacking side. He played two up, didn't he, with uh, he Tavares did. and, and Cadiz. Mm-hmm. And, and they took the game to Paris Saint-Germain. They rode their luck in the last half an hour. No question They had a couple of that. injuries in the first half as well. They lost two uh, defenders, a right-back and central defender, to injury in the, in the opening 20 minutes as well. So, look, fair play. And it's not a coincidence, is it? I mean, Paris Saint-Germain have now lost to Reims, Rennes and Dijon. There is... There is an issue still there that Thomas Tuchel hasn't been able to eradicate yet. There's certainly a feeling that, uh, well, a problem they haven't been able to eradicate. What does that mean? Because we're trying to go through the season undefeated or... Because they've lost seven in the last 20, including three this yeah, season. Yeah, but the end of last season doesn't count. Though. No, because that's the first because time. It's also the league. first time in the Qatari era that PSG have lost three of their first 12 matches. Um, but yeah. but I think there's there's a feeling, isn't there? And maybe I'm I'm misguided in my my rose Probably. my rose tinted glasses but there's a feeling that Paris in the Champions League and against Marseille and against Lyon have been able to this time perhaps flick a switch and turn it on and take up that next they've step done it, up that they've next done it level. every year in the in the group stage mm. every season they win 4-5 nil every game yeah except last and then when season, the pressure's on they don't do yeah. it and I, I I think that you know you had an interesting debate last week that um, I was I was on holiday, sitting on the beach, listening to listening to your to your podcast, and claims that this is the great that this PSG side is the greatest side that that Ligue 1 has ever known. Now, 
Okay, in terms of quality individuals, there is a lot of quality. I think I could name 10 other League 1 teams in history that would beat, beat this PSG yeah, side. I'm with you want, Dave. You want well, me to do it? Would beat, stad, beat this yeah. PSG side. Yeah, well, the Stade Durand side, no problem in the, in the 1950s. As we said, those boys are 80 um, now. Saint-Étienne <laughs> Saint in the 70s. I mean, you know, the, the Nantes side that went 40-odd games unbeaten under Suodo. The, um, the Le- I'd say three or four different Leon sides from that seven-year spell. Um, what about Marseille, any at PSG least, sides, Matt, at least, the past that could beat this PSG mm, side? Probably not, no. Um, I don't know, possibly possibly the PSG side from... I really like this, the team in 94, actually, that lost to Arsenal in the Cup Winners Cup. They were phenomenal. Um, but uh, who else? Uh, at least two of the Marseille sides in the late 80s, 90s. Anyway, um, and also the PSG side from three or four years ago, I think, that was far, far stronger. Because That's you about look at, 10. Well done. Because yeah. you look at, um, you know, all your people are like, oh, Thiago Silva, look, how, general, look but... how good Thiago Silva is against Toulouse. Okay, now Thiago Silva is... Didn't play. ...is having a good season. Mm. Didn't play against Dijon. Um, but six years ago, Thiago Silva was the best defender in the world. These days, he is a long way from Virgil van Dijk. And, uh, you know, you, I just think that... that P- well, anyway, the, the, the PSG side under Laurent Blanc was much better than this one. Nicolas so Talbot, we've gone right. way off the subject... <laughs> What was the subject? Can I say something? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm going to, I believe in consistency. So I'm still going to maintain that potentially, which was the crucial word that you omitted from quoting from last <laughs> week's show, potentially this is the best team that Ligue 1 has seen. But I do consider this Dijon defeat to be much worse than the Rouse one because just look at the team that PSG did send out. Okay. You read the press reports and they talked about absentees, but they played Di Maria and Mbappe and Icardi. Icardi's finishing was woeful after we talked him up last week. Um, compared to the team that they sent out uh, against Rams when they were in one of those three games in a week and thinking of the Champions League, this was a far more experienced team, a team laden with quality. And yes, they should be I getting think, the results. Yes, but in the second half, Dave, they could have scored yeah, four or five goals. They exactly. So this, no, guys, potentially, this is football journalism, isn't it? We're saying that Marseille are good because they had one shot on target and scored twice. We're saying yeah. that Paris Saint-Germain had a bad week because they had, I don't know, 25 shots and only scored once. Yes, but again, against Rennes and Reims, perhaps, I think Paris Saint-Germain were not as good as they were in the second half if, against Dijon, where if, they probably, I think, still deserve to win, even though everyone loves the fairy tale story of bottom beating first if I can just add my two pence about PSG I think they might actually benefit from losing these games um, early in the season in, in Ligue 1 anyway because we get the same thing every February March when they get knocked out of the Champions League that you know Ligue 1's not posing them enough of a challenge and they're, they're well, the not, problem not able season, to keep wasn't it up that, but I, I, I think yeah. the fact that they're getting beaten now means that Thomas Tuchel will have more to sort of put right more to put his players through in training and perhaps might make them stronger. Yeah, try and keep everyone focused and, yeah. and concentrating. I think that if they make the quarterfinals of the Champions League as well, that adds an extra yeah, month of com- competitive action to the team. The problem last season was with these defeats at the end of the season was that they were already champions and, yeah. the, and the yeah. French Cup final was finished. And when you don't have that extra competitive edge, well okay. then, I've you, got a couple you of don't lift yourselves. First point, potentially <laughs> this podcast could be... is whatever, the greatest ever football podcast there's been. Potentially, this podcast is incredible. Okay, mm-hmm. um, the, I can name 10 other podcasts. That it has the potential. <laughs> the second point... <laughs> beat this one. The second point, <laughs> I disagree very, very strongly with Armel's point. I don't think these are good at all for Paris Saint-Germain to lose these matches. I think it's showing that there is um, still an arrogance. They're still living in this comfort zone. What I find interesting, last season when they came unstuck 
against Manchester United. It was it was the new guys who uh, who were at fault. It was uh, Carrere, It was it was Buffon. And you look at the game against Dijon. It was the new guys a little bit. Navas missed not Navas. Um, what's he called? Icardi Mal missed right. four unbelievable chances. Navas made two terrible mistakes. So it's almost like they've been infected with this Paris Saint Germain. Um, What's the virus. looking for? Virus? Um... No, for, for me, the, the big problem last season was that they could get away with not playing a balanced midfield and it was just working for the first half of the season. And then you get to the Manchester United game and you end up with a very old, very slow Danny Alves walking around and attacking midfield while Manchester United... But nothing's changed, Dave. Nothing's changed because well, on Friday night... Yeah, but on Friday night, what did he do? He put Bernat in midfield. Um, he moved Marquinhos back to centre-back even though he'd been doing so well in, in central midfield. He played Diallo at, at, at left, at left back. back. Um, he's making, I don't know. He's I making don't think he's bizarre making choices. For change. No, well, look, it's the same with Surely uh, you play, perhaps you... with Villas Boas at Marseille putting Camera into midfield. No, can I just finish, Robbie? Oh, why, okay. why yeah. play three guys out of position <laughs> when you could just leave Bernat at left back? You play Diallo at centre back, which is his position, and you keep keep Marquinhos in central midfield. Diallo is good at left back. That's why and also, too. when a coach is trying to create his starting eleven, Matt, he looks at, yes, ideally you'd play Marquinhos in midfield because that's where he's playing. But unfortunately, there's no Verratti and there's no Herrera. So you have two other players you have to put in there and you don't want to play Marquinhos and Paredes in midfield together. So you look, do I play Marquinhos there and leave Paredes on the bench? Do I drop Marquinhos down into midfield? Is my overall eleven stronger? And that's why we see someone like Bubakar Camara in midfield for Marseille when Gonzalez returns. So the coach looks and thinks, well, Camera and Saleta were brilliant last year in central defence at periods. They've played the last few matches there together. But for the team, with Strotman exhausted or whatever, I'm going to move Camera into midfield. It's the same thing that, that Tuchol has done with this Paris Saint-Germain team. And it didn't pay off. But the reasoning is the same. Overall, you try and, with your jigsaw puzzle, get the, the strongest score out of 100 to start the team. Quick Draxler watch. Is he still injured? Traxler is back and came on right, in, okay. the, in the final minutes, okay. but uh, failed really to, to make an impact. All a bit baffling for me, this, uh, this PSG talk. Well done to Dijon anyway. They're, they're up off the, uh, off the bottom of the table. Paris Saint-Germain, despite this, this defeat, that you know, they're still cruising. They're seven points clear of Angers. Angers, incredibly, having failed to win for a whole month, they got a 1-0 victory at the weekend over Strasbourg, Goal, a penalty from Stefan Bauerken, and, uh, and, and they're up to second again. But there is, there is that gap. Phenomenal performance, though, from Stefan Moulin's men, who you know, I think are certainly capable of finishing in, in the top half. And if they can keep this going, why not even top five or six? You never know. Twelfth. Twelfth. <laughs> Dave the realist. Weren't they, weren't they top three? In their first season back. Yeah, about Christmas. four years ago now, I think. Four, yeah. Yeah. yeah, four years ago. I have to have a quick search, see what they Moulin was them. still there at the time as well. I like Angers. I think most people like Angers, don't they? Around this table. We've got a few Dave, Angers sympathisers. Yeah, not really in my black and white. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but we don't expect them to finish in the top four at the end of the season. And I think, honestly, they don't expect to finish in European places themselves. It's, it's, it's not easy over the, the course of a whole season for these smaller sides, as we say, more modest teams, to really mix it. And they have to sort of be out in front and have, have motivation and, and be on a roll to really stay there. We saw it last season as well with Rance, for example, who in the end just fall away. Rennes, who fall away. Yeah. Strasbourg, who fall away. No, I mean, I think Ligue 1 needs the, uh, the bigger teams to, to start winning again. Nantes have lost three in a row and they're still 
they're still in uh, third level with with Marseille. They were beaten um, away to Bordeaux at the weekend. Dave, you saw that one. Bordeaux deserved victors over Nantes. Yeah, Huang was really good. The South Korean international who came in uh, from Japanese football in the summer and uh, lovely outside of the boot ball to set up the first goal and then scored the second from outside the box. He's got three from outside the area. No one in the big leagues has done more. You might guess where I get he, these stats from. He hasn't scored one inside the penalty area, has no, he? No, no, no. And, and he's actually, what Paulo Sousa has done with him is slightly modified his position because he was signed to play as a number nine. Mm. But Sousa has decided that he likes his mobility and the way he can find space in between the lines. So he plays off the front man and he's become integral to the whole way that Bordeaux play. You know, he and Depreva were both playing in this sort of running off behind in a in a three four three. Huang is uh yeah, is a very talented footballer, but Jimmy Brion, who hasn't scored ah, now for, for a couple uh-huh. of months, is still he's stuck on I think ninety five goals 95, in yeah. Liga. <laughs> and that's six or seven matches now. Mm. But he, he just gets through so much work for the team and he d- does create space for the likes of Huang and, and Depreville. And he finished the game at left back. Uh, Jimmy Brion when uh, they, they finished with 10 men Bordeaux mm. after Pablo had to go off they'd made all their changes he, he's a workhorse he is a, a big key to this side can we have a chat about this Bordeaux project yeah, what is, absolutely, what is absolutely. well my understanding of this project was that the, the American owners have come in and, and this, this uh, conglomerate led by Joe DeGroza and they're, they're looking to invest and make a return on their investment. My understanding was that this wasn't necessarily a project for the love of football to try and restore Bordeaux to the to the top place in French football. That it was more short term than that. Has anyone got any more information? Well, they, or they have were I misread to, the signals. The latest club who are trying to sign good young players for not very much money and mm. get them playing for a year or two and sell them on for a lot mm. of money. But uh, as it is, what, what's the key to their team this season apart from? Huang, it's Brion, it's Koscielny, it's Costiel, it's mm. the old boys. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Joe De Grosser came in and one of the first things he said, or certainly the first things he tweeted, was that he's going to sort out the uh, the food at the stadium and he's going to make the burgers better and fewer queues. And Maybe that's why the ultramarines, their ultras, were back. Maybe but, they're... But, I mean, but the stadium... Well, no, they were, they were on strike for the first 10 minutes again yesterday. Does anybody and I think know if, if there the are no more are queues at Matt Mordred Landing, it's because there aren't very many people there. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the chairs problem. queuing to get in or something. <laughs> exactly. It's worthy of a good goal, isn't it? There's absolutely no one at Bordeaux. Yeah, but yeah. it's a huge stadium. It's a brand yeah. new stadium. Beautiful. I, I confess Beautiful. I much preferred Stade Chabon Delmas. It's got atmosphere. It's authentic. Mm. It's walkable from the city centre. It's a long it's, tram it, ride out to it's the... It's people uh, like you that make Ligue 1 look bad in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Armel. <laughs> Was that an official good girl or not? <laughs> no, not really. Just, just, just yeah. a bit of a grump. Um what did I want to well, say? My, my I, thing I, about I, the I De Grosser think... thing was that he is fronting a, 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 a company that is managing Bordeaux, but the money has come from another investment mm. company mm. who want to return. And so it's, it, it's not the same as, as an Ineos at Nice, who are the owners and running it, mm. or a, a Macor at Marseille, where this investment money, or, or QSI at Paris Saint-Germain. This in, seems in to me more... We, we pronounce the T on McCourt. McCourt, M- sorry, McCourt. yes. McCourt is a different name. <laughs> Frank McCourt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's a very different philosophy. Frank McCourt came in and you know, named this Champions Project and they came in and showed off the Champions League trophy and 
gave the fans sort of false hope, basically. The Bordeaux fans are not, not being given right. And Marseille did hope. spend a lot more money than Bordeaux did, even if it was small change what Marseille shelled out compared to what Paris Saint-Germain spent. They did try and make statements on the transfer market. Bordeaux have been very much operating at the the lower end mm. of the spectrum and uh, Paolo think- Sousa made it clear that he would have liked some more players. I should add as well that, that the two aren't ex- mutually exclusive. The fact that you can try and make money and also have a good team, they generally works hand in hand. If they can get Bordeaux up to, to Champions League football, then they're going to make a return on their investment and it's better for everyone. Like Lille, because Gerard Lopez, if I'm not yep. mistaken, is similar sort of financial model to the mm-hmm. one that was put in place at, at Bordeaux and that's worked beautifully. I, th- I think Bordeaux have probably got a better squad than Marseille at the moment. And I think Paolo Sosa... I think you're all being hard on Marseille's squad uh, since the start of this pod. I don't think it's that bad. Well, where are their Certainly options? Bordeaux no, but I don't think, in a variety of ways. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Bordeaux's squad is that bad. My point was that pa- I think Paolo Sosa is doing quite a good job. And I mm. think they, they could sneak into the top three, Bordeaux. I mean, uh, and what, what I liked, again... From the game against Nantes, they were struggling a little bit, um, Bordeaux, particularly when they went down to ten men to hold on to their two-goal lead. And uh, at one point, he wanted to send on Samuel Kalu with about ten minutes to go, mm. and Kalu was sort of dawdling, like not 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 getting ready quickly enough. And Paolo Sosa went absolutely berserk and said, "Right, sit down again. I'm sending on Josh Madger." And he yep. sent on Josh Madger, which which you know I thought was quite a good message to send. Well, you're two 0 up as well, and it, it does send a good message, a good strong message. I'm not so sure if he's lost Samuel Kalu for for a couple more weeks. No, but that's um, well, he's also converting Francois Camelot into a wing back, which is interesting because if you'd mm. said that to me a couple of months ago, I said, no way, he's just an attacker and does it more or less his own thing. Which one's weirder, Gelson Martins at wing back or Francois Camelot at wing back? Which one's working better, Camelot at the moment? Yeah, Matt? Which is weirder, Camelot, mm. I'd say. Although, Gel- yeah. Yeah, I would say Camelot's a bit weird. All right, okay. Good, we're all agreed. <laughs> Danny like Bwonga. <laughs> Let's move on because that was only I was only going to mention Bordeaux, but I'm I'm, I'm glad you you pulled us into that Bordeaux chat, Robbie. I think I think they're they're definitely a team to keep your eyes on, and uh, hopefully Les Bordelais can start getting a bit interested. Les Girondins, Les Girondins. I was meant the people yeah. from Bordeaux. Absolutely, can, sorry. Yes. Can start turning up at, at the stadium. Um, but we're going to look at a, another big team that has been underperforming, <clears throat> but perhaps are now starting to get into gear. Lyon. Got a big, big victory away to Toulouse. And uh, Ian Holyman commentated this game. Now Amiens. Good low ball. On the opening goal. Goes to Toulouse. It's Yaya Sanogo. Ren Adelaide does brilliantly. And Depay. What a lovely call from Lyon. And their level. Silla. Well, a good ball in and Senegal. It's in. Senegal celebrates. So do the Toulouse fans. Renardley. Might drop here for Dembele. It does indeed. Dembele! There seemed to be very little danger on the edge of the box. But the ball dropped to Musa Dembele. He whipped it through a crowd and beyond Rene. Out to pipe. Seconds remaining. Here goes Memphis to pie, and he snatched it at the death. The Dutchman. Another piece of individual brilliance from Memphis to pie. Great stuff, Ian, and uh, what a, a, a dramatic finale with Memphis to pie in the 95th minute. 
taking matters into his own hands, really. Uh, Leon were 2-1 down. It was looking like another sort of uh, disappointing afternoon, perhaps crisis time already for Rudy Garcia. But they turned it round. Dembele equalising at 2-2. And then, and then that incredible moment from Depay. Yes, it was a good goal, but just the way he, he basically decided um, that he was going to take it on, it, it, it was very, very impressive. He had the ball... 30, 40 yards out, created space himself, went past a couple of players and drilled it in. Dave, a huge win for, for Lyon. Yeah, very important um, because it gives them, what well, regains a bit of momentum to, to their season and Depay is, is on fire at the moment. He's revelling in this role where Garcia has set him up as the main man. I mean, he admitted in his post-match press conference that he should probably have taken Depay off, but he needed a winner. And he said, where's that winner going to come from? It's going to come from Memphis Depay. And he was proved right. Uh, Toulouse were fallible. Uh, they could probably have done better against Depay, much as uh, uh, Mets could have done better against in the previous week, I think. But uh, no, yeah, they're, going forward, they're starting to look a bit better. There are still major problems defensively with Anthony Lopez having the worst run that I can remember in a Lyon shirt, making a, another big mistake at the weekend. It went down as known goal against him following on from his throwing the ball out uh, at Benfica to give is, the winner. Is he still out of contract at the end of the season? No, no, he signed no, a new contract. Jean-Michel Olas got involved with that at the end, uh, what, the end of August, so I think. So now the, the pressure's off. Tata Rosano. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. And, and they've got the Marcelo problem because Marcelo had this dispute with the fans. It seems like he's not going to be risked in home games because they know the amount of abuse he's going to get. He, he didn't start uh, at the weekend. It was Anderson and Denaya. But they've got to tighten up. Otherwise, they'll struggle to make the top three. I think so. What's what's Rudy Garcia done? Anybody who wants to enlighten me? He's taken seven points from, from three games three so games. far. Mm. I mean, it's not been phenomenal. They weren't too far away from losing against Toulouse, but he seems to have got them fighting again. Well, and I think that's Rudy Garcia's main string to his bow is the fact that he can motivate people. And I, I think we've seen it almost every club he goes to. His impact is immediate. They, I, I seem to remember Roma as well. When he got to Roma, they went on 10 or 11 straight wins to, to start a season as well. He, he has this way of getting his players up for, up for the fight. He did it with, Lee, with Lille, obviously, that double winning side. But everywhere he's gone, they've started well immediately and it hasn't always lasted the distance. We'll see how they go. But I mean, again, with Leon, he's got a, a fairly s- solid squad to compete in yeah, Ligue 1, doesn't he? A, oh, it was and, uh, he's got Dembele and Depay playing together as a front pair. He's decided that's where the goals are going to come from. I mean, they've scored 15 of Lyon's 19 mm-hmm. between them this year. Uh, I'm actually really curious to see, because uh, we got so used to Lyon having these inverted wingers who probably should contribute more playing wide and right and left. But uh, playing with Aouar and Ren Adelaide in those positions in a four-man midfield, that could be the way to go. It reminds me a little bit of the old um, Bernardo Silva, Tom Lamar combination at Monaco where you're effectively got playmakers operating in a wide area they're very mobile very clever players I'd like to see a bit more of that what he's done just from a very simplistic point of view is he's picked his best players because Silvino we saw one week you'd have Dembele an hour on the bench the next week you'd have uh, I don't know Memphis or uh, and I, I, and he's just picking the best 11 players and playing them in a 4-4-2. Is that a short-term like, aim, though? Is that short-term well, vision? I, or Memphis Depay said post-game, one thing that's you know been positive is we've played with the same starting 11 in the past two games. I think might have been a little pinch at the way Silvino mm. changed things around permanently. And Depay said, you know, we're 12 weeks in and some of these new players, we still don't know really how they play. So playing two 
two games of the same starting eleven has has helped Leon over yeah. this period. Also, know, yeah. also think uh, Jeff Ren Adelaide that Dave mentioned is is growing and growing into a very very good player. Let's hope it it continues into Europe then. Yeah. This week uh, yeah, yeah. tomorrow against Benfica because they need week, yeah. a good and win. Before we move on from that game briefly on the uh, other side of things, I've got a I've got a new new player to look out for. Before we move on from Jeff Ren Adelaide because I need to talk about his ro- his role <laughs> in the first goal was absolutely phenomenal. It he, was. He's spinning yeah. past two Toulouse defenders mm. on the edge of the box. It was cuz I've been comparing him to Diaby. That was almost Zinedine Diaby-esque. You've lost me completely, sorry. Well, it was kind of like Zidane. Zinedine Diaby. Well, it was like a bit of Zidane. <laughs> you don't yeah, remember Diaby. Oh. Um, Armel, tell, tell us about the, the player you want to tell us about. Manu Kone, 18-year-old French midfielder. Similar sort of mould to Camavinga, uh, if you like, despite being two years his, his senior. Um, deep, deep-lying midfielder, great energy and combative so combative who does he play for Armour? Toulouse midfielder sorry ah. he made he made his debut against Lyon played the whole 90 and won so many balls back for Toulouse in midfield his engine was going until the very end of the game which I suppose you'd expect at 18 on his debut but I was very impressed and it's always I thought Matt was going to talk about Yaya Sanago as well if he just wants to talk about ex-Arsenal <laughs> players who scored again he did Yaya he's, uh, he's, he's looking quite good and I'll tell you what Toulouse uh, they lost but they're actually playing football, which is something we haven't seen at Toulouse for quite a long time. And I don't want to... Yeah, I do, actually. I, I, I would like to have a dig at Alan Casanova because <coughs> we've seen too much dull football from him through the years. And uh, Antoine Comboare, although he did come in and say he just wants more tampons. Um, sorry, more, <laughs> more, more, more tackles, um, which in French is tampons. Um, it, what he doesn't want to do is be <laughs> on the wrong end of a five-goal thriller every week. Yeah, yeah, Comboare, yeah, we're talking yeah, about... Yeah. Yeah, coaches who could Antoine, be tough. Antoine, Antoine you, do, you do not want up. to have that Comboare yeah. glare two, after you. Two very late goals yeah. beating him in the past two games. He as was well, unlucky though. Defeats. He was unlucky because he was. Yeah, Kula yeah. hit the bar. With a hit the bar. That could have been three-two uh, with minutes left, and uh, you know they ended up losing three-two. Maybe future, these... future pod topic regarding uh, Manu Kone, mm. the uh, the Toulouse guy. Has France is France's greatest gift to modern football this this ability to create number sixes. Young, young number sixes. It seems to just be the perfect position to no. come out of a French youth academy. No, in Mbappe, I think it did go the through my mind. But I'd, yes, I'd well, say currently, but he's a free, that's a, a very unusual product of a of a French youth academy. Doesn't Kylian France Mbappe. just produce brilliant players in every position right now? I guess so. But it's true. You look at the you know an average Premier League team or even a rubbish one like Watford. You've got all their number Etienne, sixes Capu, are French. Abdoulaye Ducouré. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, most Premier League teams. And have got a well, yeah, I mean, we could, go, we could go through them all, but we haven't got time for that. Um, <laughs> bless you, Dave. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on, shall we? Or should we just reflect a little bit on the, on the upcoming week for Lyon? Because they've, mm. they've got Benfica at home, which is, which is massive. They suffered a very disappointing defeat away to Benfica. So they're currently out of the qualifying positions. They need, they need to win that. Um, and then it, you, you have to watch Sunday. It is going to be electric at the Velodrome because the Marseille fans are going to give Rudy Garcia a hell of a Will they uh, want reception. to win that match? Just out of curiosity. Yes, well, Marseille want to win this match? Sorry, against Lyon? Humour, is it? Well, sort oh. of. Oh, given that they don't want to beat Paris Saint-Germain, apparently. Well, they haven't, they'll they, be trying to win They haven't game. won at home to Lyon since 2014. Since that victory, they've picked up more red cards than points in this fixture. Oh, very good. Fact. Mm. <laughs> I didn't rub you. I never said that they didn't want to beat Paris Saint-Germain. I just no, said they that did. when... But when, well, no, no, they, they didn't did. okay. want to. They when said Paris Saint-Germain play against Marseille, they are just 
focused and 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 they'll win and you know i've seen this through the years with uh with uh, with arsenal you think well hang on you know chelsea and man united they lose to these teams but when they play arsenal they are so up for it and you know chelsea went about 15 years beating arsenal well good i hope and the marseille PSG, fans PSG and the staff and everyone at the club think they can win this game and that it's a good game that's all no on sunday definitely take your earplugs if you're going to the velodrome it's going to be noisy and it's a great place to be when it's noisy I think Marseille not being in Europe this year, not having a game midweek could be an important factor in that because Lyon have that crucial Champions League game and they're going to have to put a lot of energy into playing Benfica. If you don't have any earplugs, just go with Antoine Comboire. I'm sure he's got something you can put in your ear. Matt? <laughs> yeah, Dave has been in France uh, for, for, for long enough to, to be buying into this rhetoric that you can't play two games in a week. And I'm glad that every pod... You bring it up there. Are you, are, you, are you feeling the effects of doing like two podcasts a week? Oh, the games are coming thick and fast. Looking forward to the international window. <laughs> I might retire from international football to prolong my uh, podcast career. Yeah, yeah. Dave, who once told me he was getting his, he wanted to apply for French nationality so that he could get into the French cricket team. Did that, how did that work out for you? In the yeah, it hasn't happened yet. I'm still young enough. <laughs> I do hope you, you'll be playing international football soon. Before we, uh, I don't <laughs> international football, international cricket. Uh, before we wrap up, Dave, I would like to talk about Saint Etienne Monaco. It was the big Sunday night game. It was a little bit of a damp squib. We had uh, half the stadium closed off as uh, as punishment for the Saint Etienne fans. There were no fans behind the goals, and that's uh, obviously a shame for the for the Chaudron, which can be such a atmospheric place. But I tell you what, Claude Puel. Talk about managers kind of changing things. Claude Puel is still unbeaten. He's uh, seen off Lyon. And now his uh, Saint-Étienne side have got another notable scalp in Monaco. Andy Scott saw the game for us. What can Saint-Étienne do here? Amuma away from Jemison. Surely the opening goal has been turned in by Buanga. You have to say that it's not really been coming for Saint-Étienne, but they sprang forward quickly on the break. And Claude Puel's team have the lead. Four minutes of added time have come and gone. Will there be time to take the corner? No, says the referee. It's a frustrating night for the men from the Principality. Their recent revival is stopped in its tracks as Saint-Étienne's revival under Claude Puel goes on. So Denis Buanga with uh, the only goal of the contest. And uh, Monaco, we thought they were up and running again under Jardim, but uh, we we saw a pretty flat Monaco performance. They did okay in the first half. The second half, though, was uh, was shaky, in particular the defenders. I feel like we mention this every week, but Glick and, and Jemison uh, looking all at sea once again. Saint-Étienne, on the other hand, one thing, one clear thing Claude Puel has done since he's come in has uh, been bringing in these, these young players. And we saw Fofana and Saliba in defence again, looking very solid. Yusuf in the midfield and they were you know probably the three best players for Saint-Étienne um, in that performance even if Fofana was a bit lucky to make it through to the end of the game because he was initially red carded for a foul on John Kevin Augustin and then because Augustin was marginally offside on a VAR review he got to stay on and that, that was a, a controversial incident in itself but I think everyone's a bit bored of talking about VAR already um, yeah and Saint-Étienne managed to achieve that without Loic Perrin which uh, needs to be stated, and without a proper centre-forward. And I I still think that's uh, the next thing that Puel has to address because he has got them playing solidly and and another 1-0 win. That's 1-0 to the Saint-Étienne has become the the norm in recent weeks. 
but going forward, they are limited. And uh, they had to play, well, he chose to play Roman Amuma ahead of Robert Beric as a, a false nine. And that's just not Amuma's position. Buonga looked their most dangerous attacker. Buonga got the goal. Monaco were disappointing. Uh, they badly missed Bakayoko and Slimani. For me, this is classic Claude Puel, just working his magic. 1-0 victories, hanging in there, staying in there, motivating his players, ready to fight for everything, not take risks, don't go looking for goals when you can go looking for a clean sheet. But he looks, well. he looks revitalised, doesn't he, Puel? I well, mean, that's I, what, but that's... he lives, he's a, such a competitor. I remember when he mm. was at Lyon, they'd go pre-season, they'd ride up... Uh, Alp d'Huez or one of the one of the Tour de France category one clubs. It was up in and team, wasn't it? Yeah, he win it every summer, time. and yeah, yeah. you'd have John Alain Boomsong trailing halfway down the mountain <laughs> while Claude Puel Arsene, was yeah, playing. Arsene away. Wenger always says Claude Puel's no, the Claude only Puel person who hates losing more than him. Yeah, and if you go into the dressing room at half time and you're you're trailing and you know that you, you know that you haven't competed to the upteens level, well, you're like going to cop it. Maybe Eddie Jones, the England rugby coach, should have a word with Claude Puel, who does come from rugby country in the southwest of France, because he's got Riyad Boudaboos hitting these amazing touch finders from kickoffs. <laughs> they get right down by the corner flag. Now, who I, invented I enjoyed that this? question. Who invent- There's a coup girl. Who Rudy Garcia that? does it a lot as well, doesn't he? Tovang always yeah, kicks yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It's the most the negative thing for a kickoff mm. from football ever. And it's got to be, what, 10 years now we've, we've been seeing this? Where did it start? Did it, it start in England? Is astonishing. I don't I've think seen so. it in Australia. No, I saw I remember, it in the A League back when I was. Do you remember this, boys, when, when we went to a, a commentary masterclass given by an unnamed French commentator? I, I'd rather not name him, to be honest. But I was sat there with, with Matt and Robbie, and he was telling us, you know, you've got to give it really big off kickoff, you've got to motivate yourself. And Matt just put his hand up and he said, But in the French games that I commentate, they always just kick the ball straight into touch. So what's the point? <laughs> You can't, you can't that, even yeah. get through your, your intro that, We haven't had a proper coup de girl this week. But, and throw um, in. Uh, another mini one would be the way the French commentators launch into their games. I, I can't stand it. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sitting there. Um, I, I was watching it with my dad once who doesn't understand French. Well, sorry, dad. Doesn't understand much. And he was like, why is he screaming? Why is he so excited? It's, it's the kickoff. But this is what they do at the beginning of every game. They're like, and it's the... the Having not spoken for two minutes because yeah. they want to let you know the, what the atmosphere is like in the stadium. Maybe, yes. maybe that's why. And maybe it started in France. Players are just sick of the way commentators kick off. It's just <laughs> booted just straight out. It touch. Should, should we have a word about Arabic commentators? About how they just scream and scream for the full 90 mm. minutes. I'm impressed with their that, stamina. That is something mm. you have to really hear to behold. You think when, when you're walking down the yeah. corridor, if someone's commentating off tube and you hear them screaming, you quickly run to the window to see, must be a goal. And, it's, and, it's, and they're commentating, it's wolves, they're commentating or, wolves against Reading and it's and nil it's a, nil and it's a throw-in. <laughs> throw, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is something you have to... I, I was once commentating in Qatar for the, the Asian Cup in 2011 and they had to move the Arabic commentator to our left because he was screaming so much it was going to all the other World Feed commentators' microphones. And, and so they, they stuck him on the other side of the stadium in his own little okay, next, section. Yeah, go on, Amal. Just to round this one off, I listened to some Indian commentary the other day and it is... Beautiful. If you haven't heard yeah. a match being commentated in India, poetic it's English style, yeah. but just it's amazing. I love it. Just one shout out to Julian Brun, who, who who did appear once on the podcast. Outstanding Hope, commentator. Hopefully, yeah. we're getting he back and friend he, of the show. He's a good friend of the show, and he models his commentary on on English commentators. And he can't understand why the French just have to fill these uh, silences all the time and get pretend to be excited on with you know with a shot that's gone forty meters wide. But I think maybe next week. I'll prepare prepare a proper good girl about French football commentary. Does that sound good? Sound good. Let's Excellent. go. Let, let let let's let's be a bit more positive now, guys. Let's go on a journey. Um, the leaves are, are falling. 
autumn has has hit France, but we are still very keen to to get out and about. So next weekend there are some cracking matches. Let's uh, have a look what's on the cards. So there is absolutely no question where I'm going this Sunday. First of all, it's my favourite city in France, I have to admit. I'm not saying it's my favourite football team, but it's my favourite city. I'm going to go to Marseille and I'm going to see uh, how Marseille get on against Lyon and how Rudy Garcia copes. One thing that's been quite amusing since Rudy Garcia became Lyon coach is he keeps um, saying Olympique de Marseille instead of Olympique Lyonnais in his, in his answers. It's happened, it's happened two or three <laughs> times and it... And he, it will be very confusing if he does it again this week. And he knows. He, it's funny because you can see it kind of like the penny drops when he said it. And then he repeats Olympique Lyonnais six times so that, so that you know, to, to make up for it. But I remember when Mathieu Valbuena went back with, uh, with Lyon and it was horrendous. It was mm. up there with Sol Campbell at White Hart Lane for Arsenal. Um, Fabrice Fiorez at, at the Luis Figo. And I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Dean Ma- Ewington against Wimbledon. Granite Xhaka. Now, Marseille, Marseille are going to give Rudy Garcia um, a real earful. I just think Lyon are going to have a bit too much for Marseille, but that, that's where I'm going to go. I'm, what, heading, I'm heading to Brest for Brest PSG. About five years ago, I was commentating a cup game there, and I, I jumped on the train, and just as the train was leaving Montparnasse Station to head to Brest, I received the message that the match had been called off, and my TGV was a non-stop. All the way. No, it, it stopped at Wren, and I managed to get off at Wren and go and see Wren play a cup game, not commentating, in front of about 3,000 people at Roseon Park or the got, Stade got, de la Route de Lorraine. I got similar story time. with cups and Brest. I went back it. to the match uh, for Brest where Levetsi scored his only uh, hat trick for PSG in the mm. cup game, and they won 5 2, I think, and it was a very entertaining match. The Stade Francis de Blay is a real uh, monument to 1970s stadium design. Spectacular. Well, I. I think I'm going to go to a slightly more modern stadium, head south towards Nice to see uh, if Patrick Vieira can get another win after a slightly lucky one this weekend. They'll face Bordeaux, so we'll see if Paolo Sosa gets his huang out again. I'll tag along on your trip. <laughs> what was that? that? That's awful. Well, I'll, I'll tag along on your trip, Armel, and then we can go to Monaco Dijon the next day, just so that way we get two games in. Can't get enough of Ligue 1, especially with the international window coming up. Just to finish on Brest, I was a bit disappointed they didn't win at the weekend because it would have been four wins in a row. It would have been the first time since David Ginola was playing for them in the in the eighties, and I was really key. I had that all queued up. They've had some very good players in down down the years. Macaulay, Ribery, hmm? yeah, Ribery, Macaulay, Lamar, Brest, Bernard Lamar, Brest, so no, uh, Le Guen, sorry, Paul Le Guen as well. Yeah, Corinton Mart. No, I made that up. No, right. Let's let's. I think I got that wrong. Um, Claude McAuley not come through the yeah yeah he came through the academy Brest. and then he moved to Nantes yeah I think, I think he played first team football for Brest it's quite possible Robbie <laughs> we'll look that up but um, that's it for this week's uh, Jeu, Le Beau Jeu podcast Claude McAuley another French number six I haven't uh, yeah Robbie Robbie just okay, keeps on okay. rambling but we're going to say goodbye <laughs> to the uh, to the listeners um, we'll carry this on over a coffee by the way I didn't say it once this week I'm going to get told off by producer Ian. You can email us. We do enjoy your input. Uh, Leaguepodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you again, of course, next week from uh, David Cross and Robbie Thompson, Armel Tangi, and me, Matt Spiro. It is au revoir. A bientôt. Au revoir. Surely won it in the 